mistake. Call my mom. So, soy morena, soy negra, apréndetelo, no te equivoques conmigo. Recuérdalo, oye, racista, ignorante, azul, velo, vas a tener que aguantarme. La negra soy yo. To do workshops and to come to your sites to talk with you and with the group about our experiences as blackity black 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 women, um, unambiguously black as we would as you'll hear us say, um, inescapably black as you'll hear us say, unquestionably black with two black parents um, and blackness all up and down our uh, ancestry. So we're excited to um, be part of this whole process and to have this important dialogue that is necessary. We come with the tea. Yes, with the tea, with and the cafecito, and the tamales. De todo. Right? The cortado. The, 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 the cortado. We asked U.S. coffee. I'm like this. Mm, who has the best coffee? <laughs> <laughs> From the places you've been to, who has the best coffee? Panama, yo. The coffee from Boquete. Like, forget it. Yeah, the coffee from Boquete is good, but I would have to say Colombia. Really? Colombia has really good, delicious coffee. You're going to big up our colonizers? Oh! Our recolonizers. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but from Black Land. From Black Land. I'm not. I'm yeah. not talking. What is the What is the man with the horse called? The, Juan Valdez. Yeah, I'm not talking Juan Valdez. See, George Wait. Lopez, who donated wife donated kidney to him, they divorced after 17 years of marriage. She famously donated one of her kidneys to him, and they. Got Why did they divorce? Well, he's a, you know he's an anti-black misogynist. She probably ain't too far so. behind, really. Like yeah. nobody can spend 17 years. <laughs> being married to somebody that live in the United States or anywhere, right? Like, things are going to come up with this. And how do you know that and still continue to be okay with that, especially as a black person? Yeah. Like, you got to have some level of self-hate. Like, I would imagine that 17 years is a long fucking time to be with somebody who values you. Yeah. 17 you, hours. You, you have to have shared values. values. You have yeah. to have shared values. You have to have shared around values. Around power and race and all that kind of stuff. Or at least... You know, nine out of the ten. Because if you don't agree completely, there there was enough for you to have said, okay, this is fine. But if you want me to start with diasporic love, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, all of our partners are different nationalities than than we are. And they're black, which is really great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a conversation, right? Wait, what? That would be a conversation if right. they were black. Right. Yeah. And I think that there's room for that conversation yeah. too, right? Because I think yeah. that, and this is, you know, because you know how we have like unpopular thoughts and thoughts <laughs> that we know are fucking shitty, and sometimes when you say them, you're like, damn, I ain't shit for this. Yeah. But I Because it's house business. Right. It's but house I, business. I, and part, part of me is always like, when I see a black woman with a white man, it's a completely different experience than when I see a black a black man with a white woman. Like I almost and it and it, it fucks with me because I know better in air quotes, but yet my real like core belief mm-hmm. is if I see a black woman with a white man, I'm like, ah, it's this guy, you know. Because you, you know like, what you know what it is. If I see a black man with a white woman, I'm like, he's a self hating bastard. <laughs> like it's like this raggedy <laughs> motherfucker. But then you, on the other side, you're like, thank God he yes, is with right, a white woman to stay to away from he with. Yeah, right. So it's like so he doesn't spread his shitty ideas to us. Exactly. And so it's like this really fascinating thing where I'm like, damn, Ev, this is like raggedy bias that you have. And so it's like, is like it raggedy? Yeah, 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 no, 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 raggedy. No, the bias is it raggedy? Is it a raggedy? Not raggedy biases. I think yes. A raggedy bias is a black person with a white person because they're just tired of how black people are. Okay. And. That's some kind of cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. when it's like you're not including yourself in that. Right. But the unraggedy bias would be <laughs> I'm with my white partner because honestly, this is the first person <laughs> that we that align has, fall- has followed <laughs> for that. <laughs> this is the first person <laughs> that has followed for me. that. Yes, that has followed for me. That that <laughs> I that I back. <laughs> Really important distinction. <laughs> I don't want to. I've heard people say like, you know, I didn't date for like six years. 
And then I met her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I have a lot of girlfriends who are getting married to white men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't, you can't question their, their loyalty or their, their investment mm-hmm. in this anti-racist work. Um, yeah. They're there. There's and they're the first ones. Yeah. And so I think that it is something we, need to, we should discuss because in these negritude circles... By and large, it's black men with white women. Um, and historically, the three fathers of Negritude, two of them were married to white women. And, and I remember Franz Fanon went in on this Martinique, Martinican author, this black Martinican author, that she was with a white man and he ripped her to shreds. Come mm. to find out, Fanon was <laughs> married to a white woman. So... <laughs> It is something to talk about, especially, oh, Vice. Was it Vice? It was one of these little, um, it was one of these magazines, online magazines, that did a chart Mm -hmm. of black men, white women marriages, Mm -hmm. and how they divorce at, like, like, some exponential percentage more than black women, white men relationships. They actually said that white women or rather white men and black women have have a higher rate of not divorcing. Like, they're least likely to divorce. So, whereas I think it's it's extremely interesting how black men have feel they have ownership over black women's bodies, but they tell us to chill when we feel some type of way that they're with a white woman and bashing black women on top of it. Their reason for being with a white woman is because they need to get away from these bitter, angry black women. Tell about your story, Dasha. You go. I think that's a really, mm. that's romantic and powerful and like, and I think people need to hear that side because I think that there's a, there's a lack of belief, I think, in like how, so this, this speaks to like long distance marriages and it also speaks to the idea that like people who marry someone who lives in another country, there actually is legitimate love there. Mm. And not just like, you're a chapeador, he's a chapeador. <laughs> Why the other day I went to a daycare to do some coaching and the lady and the, and the, <laughs> the three-year-old boy tells the babysitter or the daycare, you know, she's a teacher. Mm-hmm. She goes, um, he goes, mira tu, chapeadora. <laughs> to the teacher? To the teacher. The kid is three. Two months. And the, and, and, the, and the, what you call it? And the teacher is Mexican. Two months. So she was like, I know this is not, I know this is not a, a compliment. So she had to call somebody to call a Dominican friend to be like, what is a chapeadora? Oh, because they don't use that. Right, they don't use chapeadora. And I guess that the Dominican friend was embarrassed to tell her like what a chapeadora is. (laughs) And I started thinking about the fact that like the the international insults is like, you need a glossary. Yeah. So that if you go, you know how like you any any glossary if you travel will tell you how to say hola, I'm hungry, mm-hmm. but you also need like local mm-hmm. curses, yeah, to understand local insult. right local insults or even local like what's good so that you can really yeah. feel like you're there. Just just <laughs> your relationship. Tell us your um, story. How you met? How everything? Um. So we met in Cuba at a tambo at a drumming ceremony. We met while he was doing what he does, and which is what. Which is playing drums okay. for the Odijos. So, I went to Cuba 2015 mm-hmm. with my really good friend Lamar, Como El Mar. And we, we were invited to a tambor by a guy in the street. <laughs> and he said, oh, come to our house. We're having a tambor. And so we're like, bet we're there. We get there. We get lost, of course, because Latin Americans and Caribbeans are the worst in giving directions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> during one of the intermissions... My friend turns to me, and so I'm like, yo, did you see the drummer with the, the drummer in the, and she's like, in the middle with the hat and the red pants? Because she was, you know, like, checking him out. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's a little bit eye candy. He is, like, yeah, he, he is a looker. And so, um, we're plotting the whole time. But the mode is four hours plus. So we're like, okay, you know, come on. But as black people, we always know when the function is about to end. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this crescendo. Right. And then it's like the... the Fading. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, it's about to end. Ain't never been to a tambor in my life, but we knew. So we position ourselves by the door. Mm, smart. <laughs> and so everyone's leaving. 
black excellence, black thought excellence. And so everyone's leaving. And, you know, the other, every other drummer and singer, mm-hmm. they were like... Um, Hooked up? No. Every other drummer and singer that was there, they were the one... They were flirting with us. It was oh, everyone except... Okay. Except the one that we wanted, right? <laughs> and at that point, it was yeah. we. It was a whole operation. I was the singer comes over and he's like, hey, I have someone that wants to meet you. And it was Yuko. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I didn't even see you in there. You were in there? <laughs> Where was you? And so he invited me out the next day. I said, well, why don't we go out tonight? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know. That's like. Yeah. <laughs> and so we went out and it was great. And I called him the next day. I was like super, I don't know. It was like I was going out with an old friend. Because we were doing dumb shit, like, just running the streets, taking photos, and he's over there laughing it up as if this is totally normal. Mm-hmm. Um, come totally to find works. out, come to find out he's a clown the same way I am, and that's why it works. But in any case, we hung out the n- next day, and then the next day he asked me to marry him. And <laughs> here we are, <laughs> four and a half years later. Now, and let me you know, let's, can I ask some questions? Yeah. Did he ask to, because there's also this, like, myth, understanding, whatever. Did he ask you because he knew you were from the U.S.? Ah, so my husband actually didn't, wasn't even interested in getting with me when he found out I was from the States. Because when, you know, we're all in in the tambor, where the tambor takes place in someone's home. Everyone there is black. There's a few whites that, you know, want to be part of the religion, and they are, but... Anyway, it's mostly black people in these spaces. At first, they assume we're Cuban, but then they look closer. They're like, no, they don't have, they dress differently. The mannerisms are different. Mm -hmm. And so they were asking if we were Brazilian. You know, they're just pulling out any black nation out of their ass, right? right? And so we're like, no, 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 we're from the States. We have Panamanian roots, etc. And he told me that's when he was like, you know, pati done, like, nah, I'm good. Because his understanding of foreigners is that foreigners, or the foreigners he has encountered in Cuba, have been entitled, have thought they were better than Cubans, right. have um, thought that Cubans are scammers, or they want something from you. And so he kind of, um, mm. he stereotypes the foreigners before they stereotype him. Mm-hmm. And so, also speaking to his socioeconomics, is that he doesn't interact, or he didn't interact with a lot of foreigners Um on a daily basis, because he is a black Cuban man that lives on the margins of society. Mm-hmm. And so his his interactions with foreigners have been through the drum, drumming ceremonies, foreigners that come to Cuba that want, um, that come for religious things and religious functions. And so that has been his experience. And so he wasn't really hopping on the chance to be with a foreigner, mm-hmm. number one. Number two... He asked me to marry him because it was the third day we were hanging out. And I said, listen, let's put it out in the open. It doesn't matter. Just tell me what you want to do here. If it's just for fun, if it's a fling, that's cool. But I like to, you know, hablamos claro. We need to, everything needs to be clear. And he's like. the third day. Yeah, this is the third day. Mm-hmm. and Which most people ain't doing that the third year. But go ahead. <laughs> just, for clarity, just for clarity on that. Hablamos claro on that. Yeah, hablamos claro because I'm like. If we're going to be together, then we'll be together because we make that decision. If it's just a fling, then it's just a fling. And so he said, what do I want from you? I want you to be my wife. And I said, that's awesome because I want you to be my husband. Oh. Oh. Are you expecting that from yourself? That's a good question. John, we have with the hard-hitting question. I know, and I'm like... Um, No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't, um, but I was so sure. As soon as he said, what do I want from this? And he got super serious and kind of offended. Mm -hmm. As in, like, why are you even asking? Of course you're going to be my wife, like that type of thing. And I said, okay, me too. This seems easy enough. And to me, it was too. I'm like, this seems easy enough to decide that we wanted to be together. The relationship is hard as hell. But the decision to be together was extremely easy. Um, It's gotten more challenging (laughs) as the years have gone by. But we still, we, we're, we make that decision every day to, to be together. We didn't end up getting married during that trip. And it took a few years, but we are married. Our anniversary is coming up. Our wedding anniversary. 
which happens to be on Black Panamanian Day. You can't make this shit up. Like, my friend was like, up to the day you got married has to be black? Exactly. And we got have this, this inside joke that oftentimes he, he won't understand something that I do, but he chalks it up to me being a foreigner. And he's like, well, we don't do that. You do it, and it's because you're not from here. So you don't share those specific local ideas. Even the, the notion of people calling before they come, because Cubans will come to your house and stay there for a week. <laughs> Even calling before you come, he was like, oh, yeah, y'all do do that. You foreigners do that. Um, and it's something that is not done widely in our home countries. And so it reminds me to not take it to the extreme, mm. you know, that... Like, to chill for a second. Yeah, like, you're... In so many words, he's, he's, he's said that I've done white shit. He calls me a white woman. The fact that I don't... That I like being in my house with the shades drawn, he's like, you're a white woman. And I'm like, okay... You're tying race to race and class, which is but, what it is. But to his understanding, right. too. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, the white woman they want all they want every they want all the nature to come through all those windows. All the what? All the nature to come through the windows because uh-huh. they're entitled to yeah. the view and the this. You know, mm-hmm. I'm talking like high rises. Yeah, that and we culture. that's that's how we live. We live in an apartment building in with the birds and nature, and I'm like. None of y'all better step foot in my house if I didn't receive a call from you. And so the thing is, is that we are at the the extremes of it, but then we bring ourselves to the middle because mm. he will have, he will open the door at 7 a.m. or whatever time he wakes up, he wakes up early and have the door open, have the music blasting. And I'm like, draw all the curtains, lock all the doors. But four years later, we are at a medium where we can maybe have the windows open, the doors closed. And so it's like we end up we're negotiating. Yeah, we way. yeah we negotiate something that is, I guess, mulatto in the end, <laughs> because he's thinking he's super black, right? Because he's doing black things, which is tied to his um, socioeconomic status, as we are talking about Latin America. And then me as a black woman with access to but you're also dot, doing dot, black dot. things, mm-hmm. right? And that's the whole thing that that's when it becomes unique because you're also doing black things uh-huh. like this but it's in a different way with, uh-huh. right having um the it's interesting that the choice that you make right because you have it mm-hmm. which is really more tied to your u.s based americanness than your blackness exactly is a much different mm-hmm. dynamic right that yeah. he is associating your option to uh-huh. say, let's stay inside and have people call and like set boundaries and parameters because I think that there is something that is is there's something to be said for having the access to options and boundaries. Uh-huh. To say like, where does that work in terms of your blackness, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like there's a space where depending on where you're from, blackness is also also means not having any access to like any privilege, power, choice, option. And so that's something that is always interesting to... And society continuously convincing you that you don't. Right. Right. And that's a that's another kind of challenging piece, I think, in, you know, kind of depending on the relationship that you have, mm-hmm. that you're always making those kind of negotiations, but then you're also, mm-hmm. make, depending on where you live and how you live, you're often making the negotiation with the understanding that we're both having the same experience and the same Correct. options versus one person having Completely so many more different. options than another yeah. person. Yeah. And that can be... That yeah. can add... Where does that land in the relationship? That's yeah. very relevant to us because um, specifically in Cuba, a black Cuban thinking they're going to enter into a hotel um, <laughs> is wrong. It's A black Cuban thinking they can enter a hotel without problem is sadly mistaken. Mm. And I see that song and dance when I'm there and my husband will tell me, oh, can you go into this hotel... For example, when we first started, when we first decided to be together, he had to break a $50 bill mm-hmm. because he did a tambor and he had to pay everyone. And so he told me to go to a tourist restaurant to break the $50 bill. Why? Because if this, if my black ass husband went into this tourist restaurant with a $50 bill, what does that mean for his safety? Where did you get this money? You must have stole it. Where's your carnet? Where's your ID? What are you doing over here? If you live in El Cerro, why are you in El Vedado? And it's this whole host of of questions um, that threaten his safety. Me, I'm black too, but I'm a foreigner. And so in those instances where he doesn't have access, I can speak up and say, well, excuse me. 
Um, no, let me speak to your manager. I have access to do things in his country that he doesn't have access to. Um, with diasporic love in, in this context that we're talking about, that oftentimes, and you know, we see this with this whole black travel movement, mm-hmm. that people in people will go to a country and are shocked that they're treated like the local black population. Yeah. And I'm like, what did you think was going to happen? Like this one article about a girl going to, a woman going to Spain, and she was, uh, her and her, her family were pepper sprayed by the mm-hmm. police because the police mistook them for African migrants. And um, the shock. And I'm like, so you, you think blackness in the U.S. is a problem but not globally? You know, this is the same thing. Well, U.S.-based black people are surprised that the same shit happening in the U.S. is not happening all over. And so I think, like, with the, 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 the diasporic love and, and in our Americanness or our, our passport, right, that we can negotiate spaces that other forms of blackness can't. And so me walking up to a hotel and them asking me to state my business, because mm-hmm. that's what they do. They see a black person... Entering into a hotel, they're like, what are you doing? Um, I can answer in English and everything is fine. My black ass Cuban husband answers in Spanish and nothing is fine. Yeah. So and I've done that in Panama too. Yeah. Yeah. But you've done what? Responded on in English. people in English? Not on behalf of other people. Mm-hmm. Like, to divert attention. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in hotels. I'll speak to them in English. Just to position, mm-hmm. position them and me. Mm. Because I'm not gonna get the same re- response or the same engagement. Correct. And with airlines too. Mm-hmm. Well, airlines, I I speak in Spanish. Yeah, I speak. Like in for Spanish. example, at Bianca, they tried something funky the last time I traveled, yeah. and the woman came like she was a police officer, speaking to me in English. Because. They, they they said that I was sitting in the wrong seat. But the thing is, I wasn't sitting in the wrong seat. I was sitting in the seat that the woman at the counter told me I could sit in because there was nobody else sitting there. So they told another a white Colombian man the same information. The only difference is that they wrote it on his ticket. So... You got the verbal, uh, right? The verbal, and he got... So he gets there, and he's making a big hissy fit around he needs a window. And I said, well, I needed a window, too. And that's why they told me to sit here. And he's like, well, the woman told me to sit here, too, because it's empty. And she wrote it on my ticket. And I said, I don't know. Because, she, t- you know, <laughs> somebody told me to sit here. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known to sit here because there would be somebody here. And he's like, well, I just really need um, a window seat because I'm just really tired. I said, yeah, we're all tired. So I wasn't paying attention. But then the woman from Avianca came like, as she's a police. She's like, excuse me, ma'am. I've been informed. I said, que le informaron? And then I saw her take, like, a breath. Like, oh, okay. Change the dynamics and tactics. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then we could have a conversation. I said, pero como tú llegaste hacia donde mí? Tú llegaste con una forma bien agresiva. Ay, pero usted me perdona. Que na, 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 na. And I was like, oh, I'm not moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, that, that coding and that the language pieces. Yeah. The other day I was talking to dude and I was like, you know, I said, we have to make a decision, right? I was like, you have to make some strong decisions. I was like, if I don't get pregnant, um, if I don't, if we don't at least make the decision to try to get mm. pregnant in like the next hour, this ain't gonna happen for me in my lifetime. So if you want to have a baby, I was like, there's serious, like there's decisions that you need to make. Yeah. I said, I think that, you know, you have to decide because you're not that young, and really, like, How old is he's 41. So I was like, we need to talk about, like, options, right? And he has no kids? No, he doesn't have children. So I was like, we need to talk about options, and we need to kind of really, like, at a certain point, this is like a plan, this has to be like some level of plan situation. Mm-hmm. So I may not be your person, mm, yeah. because I'm not sure that I, and then yeah. I'm also like, I, I feel like, especially with, yeah, I think I told you that, with my kid going away to boarding school you're free i am but i'm also recognizing that yes i want to parent i'm not 100 percent sure that i want to be pregnant Mm -hmm. right and so i was like right which is two different things that's that's yeah and so i was just like there's alternatives here or you might or we might have to decide that 
we care for each other, but this ain't the relationship for us because this is something that is not really like. Yeah. I was like, we need to be honest about this whole yeah. situation. And I was just like, pregnancy is serious yeah. business. Yeah. yeah, like the commitment it really right? is life threatening. And life threatening, and like at our age, it's yes, even more. So let's be honest that like this is like a conversation. That needs to be like a decision needs to be made mm-hmm. because the last thing I want is for like in a year or two when things are like completely you know like even more unreasonable that you come back and you hit me with the oh but Ev I mm-hmm. that not be said ever that Evelyn did not acknowledge that these right that this is in the pipeline yeah Ev um, you said that your partner was understanding uh, black Latin Americans and he was like, oh, y'all are the ones that make everything red with food? Yes. Yeah. He, he was talking about how everybody makes things with gravy. Mm-hmm. Right? Here. Yeah, like, you know, like people, like internationally, people cook with like some sort of salsita, gravy, something. Mm-hmm. And so, he goes, I'm so confused because y'all don't make brown gravy, you make red gravy. Mm-hmm. And I was laughing because it occurred to me that like, my Caribbean people make brown gravy. Yeah. That is like a brown stewed chicken or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, ours is tomato based. Mm-hmm. So everything comes out red because Sasong and like whatever yeah. and all the stuff. Mm-hmm. So, he, yeah. so he was just like, red. He's like, you eat red. Y'all the black people, right, that, make black food people red. that make food red. And these are other black people that make food brown. And I was just like, oh snap. Like, that's a real No, thing, I fell right? out. It was just like, I okay, felt- this makes sense. And it's like, and it's so crazy that he can make right. that connection with food. Yes. You know? Like, because he's also, you know, he likes to eat, so it's like, just, <laughs> like you're making brown or red. Or yeah. Like, and so it's like, and so why can't y'all get that? Right. But it was just so, you know, and the, the thing was that I wonder whether he would have even made, because he was recognizing that there were a lot of other similarities. Like, he was like, everybody eats the same thing, which is the running joke between my sister and myself. Right? Then no matter where you go into, I'm always looking for black people because I'm looking for like fried fish, right? Like mm-hmm. that's just my thing. Like wherever I find fried fish, I find black people. Wherever I go. Right? That's, that's how it and is. And if it's really, really black, they're also making some sort of coconut rice. Mm-hmm. Right? Combo. Mm-hmm. Like it's right? Yeah. Is, like there's some sort of something with like some sort of coconut and rice. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And if I I'm like I'm deep in the blackness now. Mm-hmm. This one is interesting because I have a son, right? Um, and his dad and I split, and it was pretty much a difficult, you know, split. kind of split. So that was really hurtful for me. So fast forward a couple years later, and you know, I was like, "Fuck this!" Like this, and I've always been like, "There's seven billion people on the planet." So I followed uh, the advice that I heard Wendy Williams say many years ago, where she was like, "The best way to get over one man is to get under another one." And I was just like, all right, let me see who I'm getting under. So I had a, a series of, okay. of like, back-to-back. And I had one relationship with my son's dad that I was really heartbroken by. And then soon after that, I entered another kind of situation. It wasn't a relationship. It was a situationship. But at the time, I didn't know that it was a situationship. Mm-hmm. It was, um, to me, it was a relationship. But I realize now that relationship has to also be considered a relationship by the other person. Yes. And so there has to be some mutual agreement on that, which you don't right, which you don't often recognize. So after getting like some taking some back to back L's, I met um, this one guy that I had like this kind of I don't know crazy affair with I guess. And I like it. All right. Yeah, crazy affair. But I so funny enough, at one point he was like, "Oh, come with me to Toronto with my boys." So I was like, "All right." So it's me and like five men. That decided to go mm-hmm. to Toronto. Um, they were super nice. The five guys were really nice. But soon after we got to Toronto, I started recognizing that the guy that I was with was like whack. Like I already had suspicions that he was kind of corny and like <laughs> just ridiculous. But I went. But I went anyway because I was like bored as shit, and I was like, you know, I'm reclaiming my like bad girl. I'm dating. Yeah. I'm going out. I'm doing shit, and I felt really good about it. But I was like, this motherfucker's not shit, right? So when we came back, um, like the the guys that were that were on the trip and I, like we would all like all of us would like share messages and like memes and like you know all this other type of stuff. And so fast forward like three or four months, I used to have um, like a lonely heart, so like a single people's mm-hmm. like brunch for Valentine's Day often. Mm-hmm. And so I would just tell all my friends like, look, I'm gonna be here. You come if you can. If you ain't doing shit for Valentine's Day, and sure enough. Like ten people show up, 
right? Including one of the dudes that was on the trip to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, you know? So at the time, I was trying to hook him up with one of my friends. And I kept on telling him, like, yo, my girl is coming, you know? Um, I think you'll like her, like, she'll be looking great. And so he comes, sits across from me, you know, at the table, and I'm like, all right, fine. It's literally, like, at this point, maybe 10, maybe even 12 of us at the table, so I'm talking to people, and when my friend shows up, I'm telling her, I'm like, look at this guy right here. Like, I'm really trying to be like, look at this guy right here. Like, you know, this is the one that I was telling you about. And she goes to me, she's like, you mean the guy that's looking at you like you a tasty dish? And I look over across the table, like, in shock, like, (gasps) And I was like, I didn't see it, but I'm also very dense like that. I'm the type of woman that, like, uh, like I need, like, a Cro-Magnon kind of dude. Mm-hmm. That is like, you, I like you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I don't pick up on slight nuance. Like, I like men that are heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. And so dude is not heavy-handed at all. Um, And I was just looking at him, and I was like, nah. But then it was like, for, you know when somebody plants the seed of, like, this person likes you... And I was just like, what the hell? So later that day, you know, we get home and we were in the restaurant so long that we, I think we met for like brunch around one. Maybe it was like eight or nine o'clock and we were still there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so everybody goes home. As a matter of fact, the next week, um, it was President's Week and he goes, oh, you know what? I want to see this movie or let's go to the movies or something like that. And I was like, okay. Cool. Right. It's cool. Like. I want to go to the movies. You want to go to the movies? We go to the movies. So we go to the movies. And then after the movie, we go into like a bar. And at this point, still, I'm not really picking up on the fact that there's like that much energy. By this point, I'm starting to be like, okay, well, he's attractive, you know? Mm -hmm. And because of the way that I had met him, I also was really um, reluctant to pursue anything because I was just like, damn, like, am I about to fuck friends? Like, am I, like, is Mm. that my ministry? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, like, that's low, right? I'm thinking like, damn. I still had some raggedy thoughts, I guess, then I would I had to like clear my mind of what it meant to have to be human having a human experience and how you could like exclude yourself from like real relationships mm-hmm. by having all of these archaic thoughts. And it wasn't like there wasn't any overlap. Like I spent a long time really trying to convince myself that it was okay, that I was like, nobody's gonna look at me like I'm a hoe or whatever. And ultimately like who cares? But so we go to the movies and after the movies we go to this bar. And we were literally the only people at the bar beside the people that worked there. We were the only patrons that night. And then somebody else walks in because it started snowing. Mm-hmm. So the guy who walks in, he's like, oh, how long have you been dating? And I was like, we don't date. Like, you know, we both looked at him and were like, we don't date. And he was like, no, y'all date. I love it. And I was just like, uh, uh, this is weird. And so that was kind of like our first time out. And then we ended up like, talking more and I was really and I was scared right because I was like a single mom I was trying to do like all these things and I was really like I want to have a life Mm -hmm. but I also want to it was really important to me as a single mom especially that like I'm not commit to this whole thing of like mom is not allowed to have a life like I didn't believe that even though that was what I had seen yeah like I was just like I really want my son to grow up with the idea that my name is not right like my mom didn't name me mom Correct. You know, I'm a full actualized person with desires and interests and friends. And so I kept on trying to figure out how to, like, move into that space. Um, and so, we, you know, it's like we moved, like, really slowly but, like, confidently, I guess, into mm-hmm. the relationship that we have now. And it's funny because now I can't, I don't even know how long we've been dating. It's maybe seven, eight, or nine years. Wow. Right? It's one of those three. And it's funny because every year around um, around President's Day, President's Day is like our anniversary. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, we decided that we should have an anniversary. There's no real anniversary of like when we decided to exclusively mutually be together. Um, but he was like, we should pick President's Day because that was the first time that we went out. And so this year on President's Day, he called and he's like, you know, hey. And this is me. Hey. Like, what? What's going on, right? Um, and he goes, you know, I got like, I got something special for tonight, and I'm like, okay, but still not realizing that okay, it's our anniversary. And then finally, he was like, he sends me like a a video from YouTube, like Tony, Tony, Tony anniversary, and I was like, oh shit, it's our anniversary, like, and I completely forgot. So I run to the liquor store next next door, and um. <laughs> and I was like, well, let me get some champagne. So when I get to the liquor store, I told the guy at the liquor store, I was like, yo, I forgot the, I forgot 
reverse me. And he's like, this is role reversal, you know? And I was just thinking to myself, like, yep, it is role reversal. And so I would say that a lot of our relationship is really much, very much role reversal. Like, Donnie will tell you, Evelyn just, like, is, he, he loves to laugh. He's like, you're so fucking disrespectful. Like, I'll just be like, bruh, give me a pound. Like, in the middle of the night, I don't know if Dash, Dash is over, and I don't know if she heard us, but, like, in the middle of the night, like, I'll literally wake him up and be like, let's fight. <laughs> Let's, let's play fight. And he's like, who does this? Who does that? Who because does I would that be like... at 1.40 in the morning? You're waking me up talking about so Let's play fight. And it's like, that's... that's so our relationship is very... Um, it's very playful. It's very... Bless you. It's very companionable. Sometimes I think if there's any... Like, there's also the fear that sometimes it's too companionable. And I think Dash also heard us having this conversation of like... I was like, Do we, should we be sexier? Like, I was like, should we... But I think, you know, everything is ebbs and flows and it's really like, it just happens. So I think right now we're in like this really uh, strong phase of like just being companionable people that like each other's company and just have a lot of laughter. And I appreciate that and I'm very grateful. Um, and, and, and there are lots of like uh, differences that happen, I think, in regard to our own um, experience and upbringing and, and beliefs that we are constantly like unpackaging. Mm-hmm. Right. So, for example, I would say that definitely I'm very grateful to him um, just for like the understanding of African-American-ness in a way that I wasn't raised thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, I think until until I Donnie was a catalyst for me to have a lot of different thought about just how the whole um, how anti-African-American black Mm-hmm. people are globally and also how comfortable we all become even while fighting against like racism from white people we're very comfortable with like holding on to beliefs that are anti-african-american and so constantly putting myself in a position where like i had to really unpackage that because i think for the first few years of our relationship like i held on to them because i'm like this is what is right like these beliefs and i can realize that they cause harm and they're hurtful and they're also wrong mm-hmm. you know so um and it's another form of white supremacy. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, damn, I'm fucking guilty of this shit too. Mm-hmm. I'm out here talking about white people over here, but still holding on to like these archaic and fucked up beliefs. Anti-black about, stereotypes right. for African-Americans. Exactly. And so it was just like, wow. And now that I've been able to, um, you know, so I, and I, I often wonder whether had I been with somebody else who held the same values that I held that I would still be in that same space of not and replicating it. Exactly. Mm. And doing it because I thought it was right. You know? So it's really, I think, um, people talk a lot about, like, you know, the benefits of relationships or whatever. But I think that at its best, whatever relationship you're in should really help you, like, evolve your conscience. And grow. Right? And grow. And, and like, bring you back to yourself. Yeah. That's what I was saying about you. Go bring you back to yourself. You know, like, remind you. Yeah. So it's like, so I feel if... Yeah, like, um, like I have very, comp- I think, not complex, but, like, my ideas about relationships switch all the time, and they change, and they kind of, like, go all over the place, but I do feel that even if I, even if today was the last day of my relationship, that I would probably be like, wow, I'm definitely a much better person. I love differently, in a, in more, in a more um, detached and complete way. Right? Because I think that before him, I was also loving because I wanted to be loved. I wanted it to say something about me. I wanted to be like, you love me, and that means that somehow mm-hmm. I've met, right? I've reached that that societal goal of, that being in, right, of being in a relationship. And when it all fell apart, I was just completely fucked up. Like, I was like, what does this mean about me? What is this? You know, am I unlovable? Like, am I, you know, just all of the um, negativity. And it's like, so I'm grateful for the opportunity to love somebody with, like, full detachment which ironically creates more attachment. Mm, mm. You know, because I'm not loving you with the space of like, it means something. It's just like, I love you because it, because you are. You're because not loving you with ego. You're, exactly. not, you're like, we're not doing ego-driven love. I'm just like, mm-hmm. this is it. You know, and it also allows me to love with like my whole self. Like, it's like some days I love you and I don't like you. Some days I love you and that means that I can also, because I have eyes and there's 7 billion people on a planet and sometimes I'm like, hell! Right? And, and I What's can that say and I can say that to you. I can say that, you know what, this really attractive person tried to holler, and I was just like, yo, like, I'm making a choice. When that choice to be, like, good 
is a fucking hard choice sometimes that it people is. don't fucking talk about. It They'll is. be like, oh, because you love someone, that means that uh-huh. you, can't leave. you lose all you desire. Lose all desire to be with anybody else. And I'm like, fuck no. Like, oh, I'm you know a what? human being yeah. having a human experience, and therefore desire is going to be there for other people that are not my partner. Mm-hmm. And I wish that people were able to say that without being like, you're a fucking bad person or you're disloyal. Because people are so attuned and they're so. They're so adamant about this absolutism no, that it's yes. really bizarre hypocr- to me. Yes. It's yes. bizarre. But that whole idea of um, of just being in a relationship that is loving, that is whole, that is complete, and still having eyes for other people, like, that shit is very real. I can't. Um, so mine is, you know, I was married before. A lot of people in New York don't know that. Uh-huh. Everybody in Atlanta does. Oh, you were married in Atlanta. I was married in Atlanta to a Jamaican man. Um, and he was born, he was born in Jamaica. And that makes a big difference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a, he and he was a great man. I have nothing but love for him. But the values piece, mm-hmm. right? The values piece, um, and his values and I were were parallel, mm-hmm. but they just didn't meet. They didn't meet and hold hands. Mm-hmm. So they were parallel and a little bit, a little bit mis- not misaligned, but just a little. Mm, so they wouldn't come together. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the core, we had the same beliefs and the same values around people. So he was really, he still is active within the Jamaican community around immigrant rights, for example. Mm-hmm. And like gathering like supplies to send to Jamaica, you know, those kind of things really active in, mm-hmm. but not a full understanding of who I was in regards to the whole of me, right? So. You know, not not being Panamanian, that wasn't a thing. But you know, my my commitment to to social justice and human rights, and and it wasn't questioned. Mm-hmm. It was just not not a, not, not fully supported in the mm-hmm. way that I needed, and not in a way that they like, really encouraged me, really encouraged me to like push forward, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got divorced after, after less than two years. And then I went into therapy. Not just because of that. At that moment, I was going through a lot of different transitions as well. Mm-hmm. But dating, you know, like having a partner. And I think I was like 33 or 34 at the time. And it was around like, you know, at 33, I was like, I'm going to die alone. Because <laughs> <laughs> at 33 is when when it starts looking bleak. Correct. At 33, I was, no, like 33, that was when I was like, fuck it, let me go and take my black ass at a risk on a road trip with five men to, to Toronto because I was fucking afraid that I was like, if I don't do something aggressive, I'm going to die alone. Aggressive. Right? Like, aggressive like, treatment. Yes, like, seriously. So, yes, know. at 33, I was like, I'm going to die alone. Without a child. And parallel to that, I was working crazy, insane hours. There was just a lot going on with me. Um, And then I decided that I wanted to date. And through therapy, I really got to work out, um, you know, because my, my previous relationships were based on things that I did not want in a man versus things that I actually wanted in a man. I think a lot of relationships are based on what you don't want, right? Like, I don't want a broke-ass man. I don't want somebody without a car. Like, all these different things that that, that woman... And that's a real talk. It yeah. is. A, it is that's, that's a that's, conversation. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. because of all the shit that we're taught that we're somehow... You're supposed to be, like, extra. It's okay for him to not... Like, no, mm-hmm. it's, it's okay for you to what you want. Mm-hmm. And, but... But from what, what I learned through therapy as well was... We can't ask for somebody, something, and what I understand, and I really uphold this in my personal life, we can, and my friendships and everything else, we can't ask from someone what we can't offer. Oh? Mm-hmm. I'm like... <laughs> like, that can't be, that can't be a demand. Like, damn. That's the raggedy bias. That's Ooh, the raggedy that's raggedy bias. Raggedy. I'm like, damn. Now they know. So yeah. it's like, you know, you have people here, at, like, you know, he has to have a car, but you have a car, you have a Metro Pass. Like, which one do you have? I have Uber, motherfucker, so I can't think I got a car. Right? So we can't have these expectations. 
Because then we get into this like right. solving our problems. But problem. then what yes. about but what about yin and yang? You know, um, balance. If I don't have it, you got it. If I have it and you don't you know, like that. Right. So so I came up with my list and you know, I'll share my list out there because I think it's like for me it was really healing to go through that process. Um so here's my list. Black, so the person had to be black. That was a requirement. A requirement. Well, these are all things that are make it or break it. He had to be um, black. He had to speak Spanish. Um, and I said because my, my previous husband did not speak Spanish, and I became his interpreter, and that didn't feel good for me. I was fine for that relationship, but it just didn't feel good for me because I was... Like, I'm not your personal translator. Well, we, that's we that's travel. where I'm at right now. My husband don't speak no English. So that became really, really a thing for me. Um, black, has to speak Spanish, family-oriented. No children. Mm. Previously married. Active in, active in his community. Mm -hmm. And must must already be a traveler. Oh, wow. So you were really specific, which I really, really enjoy. Yeah. Really specific. I like that. And, I fucked with that. Go ahead. And on. the rule was, the mm -hmm. rule was, these are your interview questions. And if one of them don't fit in, you know, pa fuera. Next. All of them? Thank All you. All of them. Next. Because let I had to. A, let me get an Ariana Grande sound clip. Thank you. Next. Okay, because yeah. I had to reevaluate what I wanted. Like, for example, traveling. My mm. husband cannot travel. Correct. He doesn't have access to. Yeah. He you might know have, what I mean? He might have made it with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? He doesn't have the access to travel, so should I hold on so stringently on that? You know? Yeah. So, no, but there's tweaks to it, mm -hmm. right? Because there's tweaks yeah. to it. And for everybody... Yeah. Yeah. So, for me, those are my, like... No, I'm not shading you. I know. And I then... And then... Um, I recruited people and I sent them an email. I recruited around, like... Maybe like nine of my friends, mm -hmm. and I sent them an email stating that I was ready to date, and these were my, these were my clear things. I love this because my friends have my my friends love me, right? So they're gonna take it seriously, mm -hmm. and they right. know me. They yeah. they took it seriously, and then but the crazy thing is, I was hosting a film festival. Mm -hmm. Something that folks don't know about me is that I actually curate film festivals, mm -hmm. and that's like a passion of mine. And I was hosting a film festival, and the opening, like, film, I welcome everybody to Atlanta. So then um, I announced, I said, and I'm single and ready to date. And at the film festival? At the film festival. Oh, oh wow. Is this is a down ass? But the thing is, that came, that came out like, of nowhere. This is committed. The ancestors were like, Speak, girl. Exactly. <laughs> and people started clapping. So that was so that was one side of things that was happening. The other side is that I used to do radio. I used to have a radio show. So I put out, I was going to be um, doing a series on alternative economies. And I put out my call for, for yes. guests. And two people wrote me back with Omad's name. Wow. Right? And two people sent back that I should interview Omar. Now, wow. one person from Talk the about speaking into existence. One right? person from the other list of my friends had said to me verbally, I know somebody, but I'm not sure if he's gonna be able to hold you, like contain you, kind of thing. Well, why should they continue? Well, you know, I know what she was yeah, getting. Yeah. You're a lot of person. You I'm too, yeah. like, I, but she was. You're like, not too much. But right? she, <laughs> but she, person, which is good. Yeah, yeah. And she said, but he fits into all seven of these things, and I was like, this is him. Then uh -huh. let's let's let's. Wait, so and, it was Omar Omar before and it was Omar. And it was Omar. So you know, so and it was Omar, the person that she so was talking about. So three people, three people, brought him to your doorstep. Exactly. So I email him to schedule him. And he gets scheduled for me to interview him. Cool. Um, yeah, he gets scheduled to be interviewed. Laura, who is my comadre now, she's the one that said, I think I know somebody. And he plays with her husband's group, which is Palomonte, which is the, Dominican, the Haitian Dominican group, percussion group. And they were coming to Atlanta. 
So I was like, oh my God. But then her husband tells me, oh no, he's not coming. He's the only one of the whole group that can't make it. What? And I was like, oh my God, right? So now you're like, who the fuck is this? Oh my exactly. God, I need to be here. So, no. be my man. And I, re- <laughs> and I researched him. So he didn't come. Whatever. The day I'm supposed to... So I'm supposed to interview him on the on a Saturday live. My grandmother dies on a Thursday. Oh, no. So I fly out the Friday. You know, and then Saturday is the, the funeral, whatever. And then he wrote me a condolence. Because my co-producer called him and said, you know, whatever. He wrote me a condolence. In the meantime, in Panama, my grandmother has passed away. My mother basically shares with me for the first time in her life, um, you know, if you were to have a baby alone, that will be okay with us. Mm. Right? And that's the first time that she articulates something like that, which in my head and in my heart is still like, she gave up. <laughs> she gave up. And, you know. Why she just made peace with You haven't accomplished right? the most important thing in your life. If you choose to have a baby now, we'll support you because I really want grandkids. That's basically the message. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that's another conversation around yeah, all, that's the, a whole other show. all the stuff that's put on us, right? right? So I felt free and I released. And then I told everybody, oh, but I already met my baby daddy. Ah. And I'm showing people the pictures of Omad online. And I haven't even Manifestation. met him. Manifestation. I haven't even met him. <laughs> and people were concerned about me. Because they've always seen me as, like, a really, like, making good decisions, laser view, mm-hmm. and here I am. My grandmother just died, and now it sounds like I'm going through, like, a mental health crisis saying, oh, this is my baby daddy. Do you know him? No. Oh, and he has a big, huge wedding band on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. Right? Um, because he was married. Mm-hmm. At the time? No. Well, the pictures, he was married. He had recently been separated. Um, so yeah, so fast forward, I go to, I come to New York, I'm doing some work and I meet up with him to interview him to do a pre-recorded and we did the pre-recorded. He invites me out. We go out. My cousin from Panama is visiting at the same time in New York. And then my niece wanted to come and I don't know, they just wanted to come. So I get to the restaurant and he's at a table with two chairs and I show up with two other people, my family, and he was like, and then my cousin asked him to steal a molcajete from Panama, He's she's like, Omar, you need to take this for me because I want to take this back to Panama. And you know the molcajetes are those big, heavy guacamole, mm-hmm. and he's looking at me like, and I looked away, and he's like, this woman really wants me to steal this to take to <laughs> Panama. <laughs> and I was like, yes, like, this is what she's asking. You will do it or what? <laughs> and then, or not. And then my niece is talking about how she wants to punch out her dentist and how she got into some fight. So I'm thinking this is just going horribly horrible. <laughs> so he didn't. He doesn't steal the thing. He tells her no. They get into this big thing around like you're never gonna make it into the family. <laughs> all this kind of stuff. Wait a minute. This is your first time. You meet him? Mm-hmm. Um, first time going out. Like okay. our first date mm-hmm. was what my cousin. Um, oh, so he just got like really pulled into the whole. Yeah. Yes, immediately. Immersed. Immediately. For real, baby, daddy. <laughs> and then, and then we we go out, and that's when our first like the interview happens, and he passes. I was amazed. You know, his mother. He talks about his mother. His nah. He was married, no kids, all that kind of stuff. Great, great, great. Maybe like two weeks after. This is this is late August. I tell him, well, I'm moving to New York, and I'm moving in with you October first. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, bananas. Wait, and time out. That was after the first date? No, this was maybe, like, a few weeks after. Because we keep on talking. We're talking oh, on the I phone. See. Mm-hmm. So, he lives here. He lives here. I live in Atlanta. Uh-huh. But I was... I had a contract in Atlanta, in New York that would bring me to New York a lot. So, mm-hmm. I was like, I could just stay there. I could just, mm-hmm. you know, have somebody in my, in my place in Atlanta and be here. But I didn't want to stay in Brooklyn with my family. I wanted to stay in the Bronx because it was too far. It was an hour and 43 minutes on the train. I'm not staying all the way over there. Mm-hmm. I, I want to stay here. And he was like, well, I don't know. And then he tells me he's dating other people. And I had to tell, the, tell him, well, it's a wrap for them. Ah! <laughs> 
okay, to do with this, but I just Yeah. Right, so now you tell him it's a rap for them. So he told him it's a rap. I told him, and he said no, and then nah. he was like, you know, I've never like been free like this to date, and I I need to date. Ah, because he was recently divorced. He was recently separated. Separated. And um, he was like, no. So October first came, and I came, and I was only coming temporarily. I wasn't gonna come to stay. And then he told me that he wanted to give us a trip. So where you where did you stay on that trip? Here, right here. I won't give my address, but <laughs> a la casa mia. Wait, so, oh, so the house we're recording this show in <laughs> exactly is the house that you came you came to visit your now husband. Correct to tell him what was what. Okay, yes, I Where's like that? it. Yeah. Correct. So then, so then, um. Shortly after that, probably like November-ish time, I said that I really needed to have the conversation around having a baby. Mm. And he told me that he was not ready to even engage in that conversation, um, that we had just started off and that he needed more time. And because I had gone through this therapy process, right, I was very clear what I wanted. And I was clear that I wanted to get pregnant in 2010. That was clear. So I said, you know, I I want to get pregnant next year. So we need to to talk about this because if if you're not open and willing to get pregnant, then we can't be together. And he said, Let, can we talk for your birthday? And I said, fair enough. You know, this is like November time. My birthday's in March. I said, fair enough. Mm -hmm. In that process, we went to Panama. We traveled. You know, we were traveling together. And we went to Panama. He met my whole family. Everybody loved them. Omar is very lovable. So, you know, everybody loved them in Panama. And um, then my birthday comes around, and he tells me that he's not ready to to have children. And I said, well, I don't know then, because I need to get pregnant this year. And I book a ticket to come back to Atlanta because I'm feeling this is not going to happen. So I come back. I booked a ticket for for May, like May 6th or whatever it was. And the day before I leave, he proposes to me. The day before I'm supposed to leave, to move back to Atlanta, he proposes to me saying that just thinking through that I might not come back was enough to know that he wanted to build a life with me and to have a baby. And then Gibran was conceived that night. <laughs> One shot. Like, okay, 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 okay. Gibran was conceived right that <laughs> night. Well, now I need a slow jam for this. Uh. And yeah, that's that's body rolls. <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know, Omar and I are very simple. We our values are aligned like to the T. They hold hands. The values hold hands. And um, we're very clear. We are going to be together. We're in it together for the long run. As long as we're happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, as long as we're happy, yeah. Yeah. and understanding, you know, that we have these two two little children that know how to read between the lines really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, that we don't we don't have to fake that for them. Mm-hmm. We don't have to fake the hiding. You know, it's not like we. Yeah, I are I raise my boys in front of the kids. I argue with a man in front of the kids. He tries to contain it a little bit more, but I also feel like this is real life, yeah. and I want my children. To know what relationships are like. Mm. And arguing is part of that. Yes. Yeah. Right? So there's there's that piece. But our, you know, he's all those seven things <laughs> that that I wanted. Um, and we have some, you know, we've had some difficult times in regards to money. And we, we have gone through it. We have had difficult times in regards to our families. 
debts and you know all that stuff and amazingly we're going on nine years together which wow. is shocking to me because mm -hmm. my longest relationship was two years mm -hmm. so it's shocking to me that I've been with this man for nine years and I feel like we're still building I'm still getting to know him and we're still growing and all that kind of stuff that I feel really great about the relationship but I feel at the end of the day one because he was married before, I feel that that um that practice marriage was there for both of us. Had you met him five yeah. years earlier, exactly. it wouldn't have been I the same story. There's a lot to be said for having relationships that really allow you to be clear, because I think that or or redefine, because I think that that's what it is. Like you're you're clear in the first relationship, but I think that you often realize like, hey, maybe this is not what I really wanted, right? Because we're taking all of that societal belief about what relationships should look like in and that's what we're activating at first mm -hmm. right so it takes us a while to really say this don't really work for yeah. me the way i it thought does, it was let me mm -hmm. work let me let me redefine what it is that i yeah. want as an individual Absolutely. and what i need and then utilize that mm -hmm. to move me into like mm -hmm. my next phase of, of whoever i'm going to be with which i think is such an important thing right, yeah. for yourself mm -hmm. and i think that that powerful you know that shout out to therapy mm-hmm Right. For people who because I think in, in so many instances, we're also discouraged from from um, from utilizing therapy as a source of self-discovery. Right. So um, shout out to therapy. Shout out mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. not, you know, ha existing in a space where people are not saying, oh, well, just you don't need therapy. You need the Lord. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Or something like that, because mm -hmm. I think that's a really powerful like that's a powerful yeah. stance to take. Yeah. And to be confident, to be like, I want what I want, and I want, and I, mm -hmm. and I'm okay with that because I find that that's one thing that women, no matter where you're from, are often discouraged from really even activating, right? That gene of like, what do I want? Correct. And to the point that when you do activate it, people are confused, Ooh, but somehow yeah. you don't deserve it, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, kudos to getting what you yeah. want and, and recognizing that you deserve yeah. exactly. that experience. Yeah. But, but also, the, the, what, I, what I got from the whole thing was, when we're clear about something that we want, we know how to go for it. Yeah. Mm. Right? Because yeah. sometimes we are, as women, we're taught to, like, let things work out or mm -hmm. we'll figure it out as we go and all that kind of stuff. More and passive. I, more passive mm -hmm. instead of, like, this is what... And, and the detachment. Because I also learned that in that process, I learned about detachment because I was not tied to getting this man at the end of the road. Uh -huh. I was going to be okay having children alone. Mm -hmm. So is that detachment of, if it works out, great. Like, I'm, you know, I don't know, Omar knows, because like his business is out there now. Um, We're not attached to being together. Mm -hmm. And because we're not attached to being together, that's why I feel like our relationship works really well. I think well. that works for every, because that's right? what I've said. And yep. this, this is how I feel, too, because I'm in a long-distance marriage. So, obviously, some level of attachment. <laughs> and that's why, I like, that's why I like traveling for work. A lot of people are like, how do you travel with the kids? I'm like, because I need that space. Yeah. And then when I get back, Omar and I are even better than when we left yeah. off. And yeah. we're happier and... We and get to miss so you each have other. like a few days of like sexiness and like you know what I mean like you're flirting mm -hmm. and you're right like it, yeah. it undoes hopefully yeah. some of the you know like yeah. I mean it's fucked up when you get to that point where you just kind of diving back into no sacaste la basura you know like just like that kind of real functional but that also requires intentionality too mm -hmm. like to get yeah. away from the functionality yeah which is I think it's difficult also when you have children or it's it's a different thing when you have children because you're always functioning for them correct mm -hmm. correct you know. Yeah. Yeah, versus like being able to be in like your full sexy self. I'm gonna be in bra panties for the next four days. We're not leaving the house. It's an experience versus like okay, I'm back at eight p.m. and at you know seven a.m. I'm out of No, what you said about the functionality. One word just like makes everything click. Yeah, like the function. Mm -hmm. You're living for the function. Yeah, you're not actually being. Yeah. Correct. You're functioning. Right. Correct. You know, and this the, machine um, works, like you put a quarter. It's hierarchy of needs, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like we're spending all of our energy being functional to the point where we're meeting the basic needs. We can't get to the creative Correct. part, right? And amazing love happens at the creative part, mm -hmm. at that top of the hierarchy. So that machismo thing also mm -hmm. that you see mm -hmm. in a lot of folks that, that just mm -hmm. haven't... 
and I don't want to say I don't want to sound like classes or elitist or whatever around like relationships, but it's a real thing around having models. Yeah, mm-hmm. models matter, and I think that and, and good models matter, right? Or or I feel like models matter. And so does... Ethical models matter. Ethical models matter, right? A specific type of model matters because it has to be a model that you also want to replicate, but there also has to be a commitment to creating your own model in the event that the model that you had Mm -hmm. is not the right model for you. Correct. So it's like, that's the... And that's, you know, and you you need that. Like, I feel like you can... Because many of us did not have models for a lot of the elements of our lives, Uh right? So it's like being able to find someone who, who, A, like, you know, to your point about shared values, that's really important, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, I definitely feel like modeling matters in, in, all, in all ways. In all aspects. Yeah, in all, in all aspects. Modeling is so yeah. important. Um, but like you said with the um, model, model, ethical models matter, but also, and uh, models that would display or convey the courage. Right. That if this ain't working for you, you can't imagine you can, something yes, else. Right. Exactly. Oh. Yes. You can't imagine something else. Yes. Like, this model's giving me permission to unmodel if I need to. Correct. Right. And take what I need and tweak it yes. and apply it to myself. Right. So we're constantly in a, in, a, in a situation of like redefining, of modifying what it is that we learn to serve our experience. Correct. Right? There's models that are based on geography. Right and culture, mm-hmm. like so. When you live in a new place in a new space, like you might have to do a different thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a or or life happens, you know. So it's like, yeah, totally taking what you need and and leaving the rest. Being raised in the United States, that there's certain choices that I can make that are privileged choices that like my mom didn't have because even the opportunity to look at your life and feel confident enough to pick and choose. The traditions that you want to perpetuate mm-hmm. and is the ones you want to leave. right is a privilege that often we would not have had 